Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 13 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and here by my digital side, as always, is the one and only Mr. Faith and Fandom himself, Hector. How's hey, it going buddy. today, Hector? Hey. Doing good. Just over here in North Carolina, being the Kevin Smith of Christian nerdiness. So That's awesome. The Christian Kevin Smith of nerdiness. I like it. So I'm holding down everything from here in wonderful South Georgia, which feels weird to say, but that's where I live now. So it's how, awesome. How wonderful is South Georgia? Uh, right now, now that the pollen has kind of passed, it's great. Last week, I thought I was dying by some airborne varial craziness. It was it was bad. Pollen, it's a thing. If you live in Georgia, you know it's a thing. North Carolina, it's coming. We, we've already had pollen, dude. Oh, good. Then we're, we're all through that, so we don't sound congested, and this is going to be a great podcast. So everyone, <laughs> strap in, prepare yourself, for We've Got Comic Sign. Oh, better put the word out. Can't wait for the nerd out. On today's episode of the Pull List Podcast, Hector and I will take a magical journey through the past two weeks of comic book industry news, have a discussion on Batman Detective Comics number 1000, and 80 years of the Batman. And then we'll wrap up with what we pulled over the last couple weeks. So, all we want to know is, who's coming with us? Are you guys coming with us? Well, you don't really have a choice because you're already clicked play and you're listening to this podcast. I'm pretty sure so, they can stop whenever they want. I mean, maybe they can, but don't do that. We're just getting started. So let's let's get to the news. Let's let's kind of talk about what what's been happening the last couple weeks. Because as usual, there's there's lots of stuff going on in comics. So let's see what I pulled up off from the top is. I don't know if you've been seeing any of this, or you know if it's one of your things. Because I don't remember you saying a lot about IDW titles other than some of the turtles you've been jumping back into. But there's a lot of shaking of the trees and rumbling that idw may actually be for sale yeah but how does when something like that actually happens who buys a whole company isn't that interesting and of course what's really wild and what we don't really know from seeing some of the details is idw has holdings other than comics they have an entertainment division that does uh, tv and movie type stuff and of course they have their comics division they also have a division that does like massive hardcover art edition of stuff. So they do a lot of licensing. Um, there I think is my some, biggest IDW yeah. investment was like uh, the Buffy series stuff. Uh, I think before Whedon's actual, you know, Buffy season eight stuff or okay. like when IDW was doing hardcore Angel and Buffy stuff, like hardcover, not hardcore. Maybe it was hardcore. <laughs> But I, you know, I have some angel like after the fall things and stuff like that that are the only things that stroke in my mind that I have like a solid IDW presence. No, and I think that's the thing for a lot of folks is like I said, IDW. A lot of their core business is typically in licensing, um, so it just depends on what stuff they have during what time. Uh, obviously, right now they're the home of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, Might have heard of them. Uh, you know, heroes on the half shell and such. Um, but, but most of Turtle's big stuff lately has been like Turtle Batman crossover. Sure. Like, and not, not that the Turtle stuff that IDW isn't making, that's making isn't great, but like they've been riding Batman's like coattails slash cape for a minute. 
for a hot minute, and they're about to revisit that uh, territory. If you didn't know that, I believe the Batman Turtles 3 um, title pending is on its way, so we'll be seeing more of that. So you're you're not wrong. And the so, animated movie is dropping, so that'll fuel that. Yep, so there's all kinds of wonderful things going on there. It's just there's been a lot of internal turmoil at IDW, um, folks leaving, folks coming back. Um, it's just been a really tough time it seems like over at idw but at the same time knowing some of the folks and hearing them talk everything does appear to be going in the right direction so even though it looks like they might be looking for someone to take over to be more of a funding to be a new parent all we know is that at least they've called in jp morgan to start looking over their assets and try to potentially set a valuation for the company so the short answer is, like most things in comics, I guess we're just going to have to wait until the next issue drops and we find out what's actually going on. Well, Disney's just going to buy it. That's kind of like the end of the story for everything anyway. So Yeah, so that seems about right. <laughs> and it's interesting because Marvel did throw IDW a lot of their licensing recently, and they'd been doing some spider books. They've been doing some younger hero action books for all ages and whatnot. So mm, that's... That's not necessarily a bad thought. But speaking of the Mighty Mouse and the Marvel Empire that Disney has acquired as of late, do you see this absolute insanity that Angelina Jolie may finally be making her step into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? What say you? Well, you know, first of all, the average person doesn't know who the Eternals are. That's... If you're not a comic book reader, and real talk, even if you are a comic book reader, there's a good chance you don't know. Um, you're not wrong. <laughs> Eternals are straight up less well-known than the Guardians were before the movie dropped. And so, what was the TV show that Marvel did? And it was like their first real big flop on ABC that had the dude from uh, Game of Thrones in it. And the uh, lady with the red hair that moved and the big dog what was the show was that oh oh yeah 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 um no why did my brain just do that that's not even fair um <laughs> oh wow people was... are laughing at us right now yeah and that's the worst thing because right so the what's even worse is the only thing that's sticking in the back of my head is the royals which isn't even what it's about i'm hearing uh, i'm hearing immortals in the back of my head and i know that's not right either it's not right um, no no it's not <laughs> we're the worst See, um, we're not qualified this is to literally the show anymore. Um, yeah, we're, we're just sorry. we're just gonna we're quit. Just gonna turn off the mics um, now. Oh, right. No, I got it. It's Inhumans. It's inhumans. absolutely Inhumans. Immortals. See, yeah, there we go. We yeah. we need the talk. Yeah, we need to talk about this for a minute. Marvel dropped that pile on us, and it literally managed to evaporate an entire string of heroes in the Marvel universe from Hector's in my mind for a full minute right there. They Thank retconned you, it because it was so bad. Um, like, we straight, we have been, like, MIB flashed that that show even existed, and real talk, I expect the, the Eternals to be about on that same level, so it, it's hard for me to look on with enthusiasm at a lot of the future of the MCU because I feel like everything we're moving forward with in new properties is going to be like, for lack of better terms, B or C or D list characters compared to the ones that we've had. So, and I yeah, I mean, they are running out of a little bit of runway. They, they decided to tell the biggest story they possibly could up front, which 
makes sense for entertainment. You got to make that dollar and you got to keep making it. Um, so as comic fans, we're excited to see some of the lesser known characters, but eventually on the big screen, you know, we're in the mid twenties in terms of number of movies, all these TV shows and everything else that it's, it's a lot, but whatever. Like I'd straight up forgot agents of shield was still going. It's about two seasons past when it probably should have stopped going to be completely honest. And that's this podcast host, humble opinion. I, I'm prepared to get scorched in the comments for that one. But yeah, that story had a purpose. And clearly when they hit that purpose and they were like, oh, we could get one more season out of it, maybe two. It kind of became obvious to me that that's what happened. And hopefully they don't do that in the cinematic universe. But then again, we're talking about doing the Eternals. So yeah, either way, you're going to get to see Angelina Jolie quite possibly in that environment. So congratulations, America. We're, we're finally putting everybody into a Marvel movie, and no matter what, it's a glorious thing. I'll dial back my negative impact for a moment and just take a page from Kevin Smith's book of, I'm going to go to all these movies and be excited about them because we have them. And there yes. was a time that we, we didn't. didn't get to have these. So we're just going to ride this wave and enjoy every possible moment of it. So but you can only experience so much saturation before you drown. That's absolutely true and hopefully we're not getting there but we might be we'll we'll have to wait and see how endgame wraps up and what they dangle before us as what's to come because as we've talked about before that movie's going to be an ending and probably a beginning as well so time will tell oh speaking of other movies we should probably talk about the joker trailer yeah did you get a chance to check that out i did all right. Well, what do you, what do you, what are your feelings? How did that make you feel on the inside? It made me feel awkward. I think was my original <laughs> response to that trailer because it felt like they were building up to hit showing him full snap demented or anything, but like realistically, it just made him look like he was emo, so he put on clown makeup. Like we never actually see him go full villain or anything and um and i'm assuming that that's young bruce wayne that he's playing with through the fence um yeah there there have been a few others that have insinuated that so i'm okay with accepting that for the time being because yeah right because this obviously plays no continuity to anything unless this is going to be one of those he spawns another generation of joker after this but like i i don't know like it just feels weird, you know, first of all, this is a, outside of the little bit of the comedy club we've seen, this has no reflection of any previous Joker origin we've seen. Right. Like, yep. this no, This is I, not Killing Joke, this is not Dark Knight, this is, this is not a Joker origin we've seen, but you know what's really funny? It looks to me very much so like it fits in with the Joker of Tom King's Batman run. Oh, interesting. I do kind of have that vibe as well that there's clearly something. Just real quick, I had the same thing. Like, I watched that trailer and I went, I I think I need a hug because I'm not sure what I just experienced, but I feel uncomfortable and I need an adult. And it's like severe mommy issues and eternal pain um, and isolation. Like,. I mean, that's been the premise of the Joker since, like, really since the killing joke. 
is that everyone is just one bad day away from snapping. Um, right. And but like it made me think of the Tom King run because because you know I'm contractually obligated to praise Tom King at least three times per podcast. Um, that, that's that's not true. But go on. Wait, are we? Tom, you don't, Tom? You, don't you, you didn't read my contract. <laughs> um, Bubba like threw in a Tom King clause. Um, but that no, makes sense. Uh, I buy Bubba too. There's a the issue where the joke right before the wedding ish thing that didn't happen. Um, where the Joker hijacks a church, kills all the people in the church, and then spends the entire issue talking about his mother, and then asks oh, Batman right. to get on his knees and pray with him. Um, that was the first time I've really heard a fleshed-out mother situation beyond the Dark Knight. Because all of the Joker's origin stuff has always centered around, you know, his wife, or something around those natures, or, you know, his gangster past. This one lines up with Tom King's writing more than anything I've seen. That's, I completely missed that. Now I'm going to have to go back. I want to go back and reread that issue and kind of think about the two side by side. So, okay, everyone, first time ever on the Polis podcast, you have homework. You should pick up that issue and take a look. That would have been during the lead up. So that was somewhere around issue 48 or 49. Yeah, I was about to say Batman 48 or something. I'm going to look it up. Go ahead. So we'll drop that in the show notes for you so you can uh, partake in the homework for this week, which is reading some of Tom King's Batman and then watching the Joker trailer and then finding the closest loved one you can and hugging them as tightly as possible so that this terrible, terrible existence doesn't continue. I, I, I think the other thing that really stood out to me as fascinating for a Joker kind of origin in this construct was the concept that he was getting therapy even before the break that obviously comes at some point that typically we see the Joker goes to Arkham after he's full Joker and everything. And in this reality, he seems to be getting help before he goes sideways. So there is just a lot going on in that trailer. And I know pretty much the entire world had an opinion on it, but I'm still excited. I think Phoenix looks pretty freaking great. Um, as the final product or approaching the final product that I, I'm excited to see how it plays out. By the way, it's a uh, 48 and 49. Uh, are, so it was both. Uh, 48 is part one. It's called the series. The run is called the best man. And uh, yeah, there you go. Excellent. So that's your homework come back and maybe we'll discuss a little more in our next episode or at some point, or maybe we'll just drop a quick hit on that because it is very interesting to me. It also seems like, they're going to throw all of it at us, and then we won't find out what this really is until we see the movie. Yeah, and, but I, I really don't feel like at any point I was menaced. Like, that's fair. Like, I felt awkward. I felt uncomfortable. I felt empathy. Um, but I never felt like villain. I don't know. Like, True. I, I, I want, you know, God forgive me. Um, <laughs> I felt more menaced at Leto's presence than i did in that trailer so don't don't worry fans we're we're gonna make sure that hector gets the appropriate help or that he doesn't return to the podcast it's true because i tell don't know that, what to tell, do with that tell me leto wasn't more menacing than okay what if you we're saw go- in that trailer if we're gonna use the definition of menacing maybe i'll give you that one but I'm not going to say that... he's a better joker. I'm saying he was more <laughs> menacing. Yeah, I was going to say, did that pain you a little bit on the inside as you said that? A little bit. Oh, yeah. wow. You know, 
realistically speaking, and I know this is a tiny rabbit trail, but like, I feel like Leto's Joker could have been so much better if we just dropped the whole tattoo thing and uh, whatever we got cut from Suicide Squad by Warner Brothers and actually gave that whole thing. I felt like we could have had a lot more potential there, but going on. Sure. I, I kind of felt the death in the family vibe there um, that or of the family, the second one in the new 52, that that was the Joker I was seeing. But yeah, that's a rabbit trail. So fans, you can go and check that out as well. Some good stuff right there. Um, so we should probably move on from the Joker trail, but the it's out. We're starting to see more. I'm still excited. But yeah, I think there's a lot of things to still figure out what's going on there. Well, what really got me was how polarized the responses were right um just because i shared the trailer on the faith and fandom page and it was one of my most commented posts which was funny but beyond that it was literally about half and half of this looks like garbage and i'm so excited like yeah i i saw the same thing in other places and places i commented as well and i was like wow i I, we're certainly opinionated about our joker (laughs) i love that joker so good but uh so, uh, did you have anything that you saw kind of jump out for the week that popped and you were like, we have to talk about, it. I know we got lots of movie information coming out and stuff. Was there anything that I missed this week that you were thinking about? Well, just, just for me, like news wise, um, I, you know, I'm a Kevin Smith fan and I really am excited that, uh, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot finished filming, um, that we're getting another Jay and Silent Bob movie. Uh, and it, you know, for the non-reference part, this is like comic book culture in that, uh, the original Jay and Silent Bob was about their comic book, which was being turned into a movie. So they went to stop it. And this one is about the reboot of their comic book, which is being turned into a movie. So they're going to stop it. But also, you know, this is Kevin Smith's first real big thing since he bounced back from his heart attack. And, um, yes, you know, so he is literally, you know, I've, I've never seen him be this active on social media during a project. So literally like every day of filming had his Instagram uh, praising the actor or people he was working with because he was so excited to still be doing this. And, um, you know, just following his Instagram for this movie has honestly been an encouragement to me of like, you know, carpe diem, so to speak. And, you know, get your crap together because... He really is excited to still be alive through all of this. So the movie might be hot garbage. And it might be terrible. <laughs> um, and it's not like you go into a Kevin Smith viewers universe film expecting your life to be changed. But occasionally think that can happen. Um, but just his passion on the subject and everything else has been really great. And honestly, the thing that's got me the most about it, we asked the question a few podcasts ago about who could be the next Stan Lee, who could be that next person. And the yep. more and more I'm watching this and watching Kevin's role in our culture, I really feel like Kevin Smith could be the next Stan Lee if he's willing to take that. Oh, man. And there's so many things that you could consider in that, just how much he looked up to Stan as a mentor and just as as a friend eventually. And we saw the Captain Marvel um cameo that intertwined the two so spoilers sorry not sorry because it's important to this conversation that people around this got how much of a 90s reference that was but also how how impactful that was to kevin and kevin's response was equally that was stan's first movie cameo correct 
I believe so. I think that was that's the point of that entire concept is a that was his first in Mallrats, and then also in Captain Marvel, the idea that that's the first time that Stan Lee was cameoing Stan Lee. Um, oh yeah, there a, is that. Yeah, and, no, that the Inception, <laughs> the the Stan Lee Inception Marvel issue of that that yeah. So and and Kevin's entire story even before the heart attack has always been just grab it just do it if you want to do it you should be doing it and well i mean that's kind of why we have a podcast now um but yeah i i love Kevin's story and i love the energy he's dumping in this stuff and i i'm i'm ready for more Jay and Silent Bob either way cuz that movie's just going to be cameo top to bottom based on like you said watching all of his social media like he's called in all the friends yeah, and the last one was the first time we got uh, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill back in the same movie, so <laughs> which was pretty pretty great. Yeah, so yeah, that that's so, my big news. That was the other thing. I know it's not you know a huge deal, but you know, and Shazam is still in theaters, and it's awesome. Or it just yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Really. Shazam is still amazing. I still got to see it maybe tomorrow, so that's gonna happen. As usual, uh, pull list podcast fans. Hector has seen this movie twice before I've made it into the theater, but that's not gonna happen for Endgame because I have my Thursday 5 p.m. tickets already, and I'm going to stand in a stupid long line to ensure that nobody spoils that movie for me. Um, I don't have tickets <laughs> because uh, Ma, I have defeated you. Well, maybe. Um, I'm, I I live in a small town, and our little theater doesn't do advanced tickets. And anybody just, that really, really cares is going to go to a nice theater in another city anyway. And so I'm can't okay you just give me this my one? crappy tickets. So <laughs> just, just give me this one. I'm going to win once. Yep. Oh, you won. Yay, I did yours. it. <laughs> but so, yeah, lots of movie news this week. Uh, IDW possibly up for sale so just to kind of round out the things uh, the things that you want to know and hear from your lovely comic book hosts is when books are being delayed so for those of you that have been enjoying Priest Run on well it's not yeah no um, the Captain America stuff right now you've been enjoying all of that wonderfulness well it appears that issues 10, 11, and 12 are all going to slip by about a month. Not really sure what caused that, but you're going to see a hiccup in your Captain America flow, which you would have just gotten nine here very recently. So you're going to end up It feels like it's been slow anyway. Yeah. Like um, the, the delivery has it, been slow. It could be. I, I ended up not really carrying that as much as I wanted to. It kind of distracted me a few issues ago and... Well, I need to, I, I need to save the money, the doll hairs. So it's it's hard to keep up on a full comic run at times, and it just lost me honestly. But I know that people still love them some cap, and so for the next couple months, you're gonna be waiting a little bit. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happens in comics. At some point, I would love to be able to hit the news and be able to tell you maybe, just maybe, something's coming early. But I know that day is probably never going to come. So that's the news, and as always, you can join in on the conversation with Hector and I and all of your nerdy friends on the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community. Just search for Love Thy Nerd community there on the Book of Faces, hit join, and begin your geeky adventure together with us. Tell us what you liked, what you hated, or possibly even what we missed. There's all kinds of things that can be discussed. So join us there in the community. And Hector, 
That brings us to today's main event. Yeah. That one thing we couldn't help but talk about this episode, and that, of course, is Batman Detective Comics 1000. That's one comma zero zero zero, Celebrating over just about and over at this point, 80 years of the Batman, 80 years. I'm yeah, going to let that sink in <laughs> for just a moment, just a minute. 80 years is, is a lot of Batman. So... Issue 1000 came out about, it was a week before this one, and this celebration of Batman sits at almost 100 pages, 96 pages worth of comics, 10 stories and 10 separate creative teams, and retails for about 10 bucks. So that's a buck a story. That's not terrible in comic book terms. And in terms of covers, there was only about 40 billion um, covers, again, for this, for, for variants little over 30 official covers from DC. So if you've got that completionist streak in you, um, I wish you well. Good luck. Uh, take out a second mortgage. You may need it. Um, I can't but do heck, it. I'm not about that. I life. know. I, I got the jock cover because it was really cool. I dig it, and I'm happy. So I, I paid my cover cover? price. Oh, there you go. So, Hector, what made this moment in Batman's history and Detective Comics history and comic book history so important to you? Well, I feel like for me, it was seeing... It was seeing a lot of the people that have made Batman great in my comic book reading lifetime all together in one book. Um, The only people I missed being present were Jeff Loeb and Grant Morrison. That is incredibly fair. And... Looking over the creative team list, you're like, okay, we got Scott Snyder, Kevin Smith, Paul Dini, Warren Ellis, Denny O'Neill, Christopher Priest, Bendis, Johns, King, Capullo, Jim Lee did art, Becky Cloonan stepped in here, Neil Adams did something, Alex Maleev. I go on and on and on, and I've yet to hit even an A-lister that you haven't heard from in a while, but it, the creative teams were amazing, but yeah, we still had that gap. Ugh. But yeah. so good. It was good. And, you know, outside of, you know, the ones that I mentioned that I would have liked to have seen, you know, I was really impressed by what I saw. Um, I think I had a couple that, you know, really stood out to me. Um, but, you know, to have a book where you have Denny O'Neill and Kevin Smith writing a story, that's great. I mean, right? Literally, that is the old school and the new school together. And Kevin Smith hasn't written Batman in a minute. And uh, his Batman stuff has always been kind of like, they trust him, but only so much. Um, And, you know, they'll give him Batman, but they'll give him Batman in his own little bubble. So it's nice to see him with all the big boys with that. Um, I think that was something that stood out to me. No, absolutely. And just with with 10 stories to absorb and going in so many different directions what what story was the one that you were like that that hit me that was the one um there's a lot of different because for folks i'll just tell you right now the stories cross a gamut of different emotions in terms of what they're trying to elicit or what they're just trying to communicate so it's kind of hard to narrow this down but we're going to Go for it and try to do so anyway, because that's what we do as podcasters. So, Hector, what was that one hitting story for you and and why? Man, I really don't I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but uh, 
<laughs> surprise, it was Kevin Smith. Um, and oh, yes. I, let me just say real quick before you say why. I'm that guy, too, this week, because just, wow. So go on, and then I will color commentary as appropriate, because that by far was my favorite as well. Um, so I didn't... Well, to his credit, I didn't recognize that I was reading a Kevin Smith story until I got to the last page. Um, because, you know, the the title and the writer uh, are on the last page of that story. But, first of all, freaking gorgeous... Um, you've got Jim Lee and Scott Williams, the artistic team behind Batman Hush, which if you've heard me, you know that's my favorite Batman story ever. You've got that creative team together making just this phenomenal Batman story. And, you know, that alone was gorgeous. Uh, for me, it was, you know, I, the first thing that really hit me, you know, outside of being, I was like, oh, look, there's Kevin Smith's character from Cacophony. Like, you know, his onomatopoeia character. And I was like, oh, look, someone's being nice to Kevin and including him. That was literally my thought. Not that he was writing this story. I was like, aw, they threw Kevin an odd, included his original Batman character in there. Um, <laughs> I, th- I straight up thought that his inclusion of this character was a mercy. Not that he wrote the book. But, you know, whatever. Um... I don't know. It's so it's, you know, I know you're going to talk about it too, but the whole story is you're seeing Batman uh trying to find the gun that killed his parents and doing that. But the artistic style of every time over and over, we're seeing Batman like almost every panel if you flip through this as you turn the pages, you're seeing Batman being hit right in the centerpiece in his logo and you know, I was a, you know, it didn't even dawn on me until it was near the end that that was happening. Uh, but you see literally mm. almost Batman's entire rogues gallery attacking him in his bat signal or his bat chest plate. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing. There's a lot of visual aspects to it that, you know, all of these people are trying to attack, not just the physical spot, but they're attacking who he is as that person. And that it's his tragedy and how he dealt with it that survived it and i don't know man it was i i got weepy uh because like towards the end you know batman finally gets a hold of the gun and alfred you know is giving him guff about why would you bring that in here i know you like trophies things like that but um that he had a bigger more beautiful purpose for that weapon than simply a trophy uh, it's just I don't know I just I remember getting to uh, not even the last page, but I think uh, the next to the last page of that story and just literally getting choked up over it. Um, and I saw like before I even realized who wrote it, um, I was like, man, this is one of the most endearing Batman stories I've read in a long time. And uh, when I when I saw it was Kevin, you know, the first thing I did was I got on Twitter and tweeted him and I told him I said. Thank you for giving us a story that makes my appreciation of Batman grow. Um, Because there's, you know, I've been reading Batman forever. Like, not the movie adaptation, but like, I've been reading Batman for a long period of time. And there's not been, there aren't many stories that make me look at him with more affection. Or with more respect. Or with more admiration. There aren't a lot of stories that, like improve my stats on how i feel about batman and this one did it like 
I cared and respected and connected with Batman more after reading Kevin Smith's short little story in this than I did before I started. No, I think that's that's incredibly fair in this particular story that it when you start realizing that he's seeking out the weapon and everything, you're like, okay, that's it's a kind of weird that in 80 years I haven't quite heard this story we've heard batman continuing to look for the person that pulled the trigger over and over again there's plenty of stories that have been written and done on seeking out who the faceless robber in crime alley was and it was really never about the thing and then to see that discussion with the backdrop of the Batcave with all the stuff that batman has collected from major events during his life and and also just the handling of that particular piece of it that Alfred, like, finally, out of all the things that he's been put through, is like, this is the thing I'm not going to let you do, Bruce. That, like, he's like, why would you bring that thing of evil when all these other things are triumphs in in your story? And he starts to tell that part of him of that concept of, right, but this is kind of what brought me to be here but then he takes that 90 degree turn to change that from not just collecting the thing, but to literally mold it into something new. And we're, we're purposely talking around the end of this story because you should read it to see where this story actually goes. Um, because I came to the same conclusion that a majority of our Batman stories of Bruce's character and who the Batman truly is, is that vengeance. I am the knight. Um, type stuff and the end of this story right Uh, (laughs) i'm batman (laughs) we're we're just pretty great at this or or not and i just just totally got cookie monster with a mouthful of vanilla wafers trying to do a christian bale impression (laughs) oh very specific cookie it's very right this is this is why this is why I love Hector and this is why we're good friends and why we share it with the world. Um, this is one of those moments on uh, the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. It would be like J- John cut cut that out, but he's he's going to leave all of this in and he should. So you can gain new appreciation for our producers and also just that we're pretty honest about who we are. And I am Batman. But that doesn't really the point. But that was better. The, that was better. The point is, you should focus on this particular story if you're looking to really kind of get surprised, um, like Hector said, by the person of Bruce Wayne and Batman, especially in the context of finding the weapon that literally set him on the path to be who he is. And yeah, no, I, I also tweeted out and took to the interwebs to voice my my applause for this work because super well thought out. And this was one story in 10 of just a bunch of other craziness and straight up. uh, If that would have been the only story I paid $10 for, I would not have complained. Um, I wouldn't have thought it'd be the best economic life choice I ever made, but I wouldn't have been disappointed. Right. And it's so wild. And then just to think, I'm just double checking to make sure it's not immediately after there's this. Okay. There is a story between it. But uh, Warren Ellis's story also kind of caught me in a similar sense, but literally from like the complete opposite end of a similar spectrum that if you recall the Warren Ellis story with uh, Becky Cloonan doing the art, which 
Becky does awesome stuff in this book. This story was just very vivid in the colors and everything, but not to kind of take the whole thing from it, but it's a action sequence that really just keeps building up to getting to these terrorists and you end up with a suicide bomber, which is kind of crazy. And Batman's pushing and pushing and pushing. And at the end, it's him face to face with the, the bombers, the last guy left. And it's like, yeah, man, I'm going to do it. It's crazy. Right. And I'm going to do it. And Batman just keeps staring him down and going, look at me, look at me. And the guy's like, no. And then, I, I'm going to spoil this one because Warren just nailed it. So yeah, it, if you, it's you, less of a spoiler. You need to, issue, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but he's like, he looks right at the bomber and he says, "Look at me. I'm already dead. Look at me. I'm trapped in this place, and all I do is haunt the living. Is this what you want for yourself?" And it just cuts to the final panel and goosebumps. Like, Warren Ellis is usually very pointed, very sarcastic, heavy on language and everything. And I thought he wrote a story with very little dialogue, which is not very Warren Ellis. Warren usually fills panels with dialogue. um, That I was super impressed that he held his punch for the end of that story. And just, wow. That, folks, if you enjoy the Batman and you're looking for a book that's just going to give you a great cross-section of stuff, you definitely need to pick up 1,000 because the teams are amazing. The art front to back is great. If you have a favorite part of Batman's history or a creative team, you're you're going to get that in this book. So There's there's mm. one, too. Was my, uh, my other favorite was uh, The Legend of Newt Brody. Um, oh, right. If you're a fan of Batman the Animated Series, this is for you um, because this is Paul Denny. Um and it is very it to me uh it feels like the spiritual successor to uh i almost got him um Mm. the episode where they're all talking about how they almost killed batman um but on a different take but you get a lot of batman the animated series not exclusives but rare appearances you get condiment king um you get a classic harley um you know you get you get a lot of stuff that we really only saw active in Batman the Animated Series, but on the flip side, uh, we get that vibe in a modern context. So we get Paul Denny writing about Damien, which, you know, I imagine what Batman the Animated Series would have looked like with Damien. Just saying. Um, Ugh. <laughs> that... Damien is the worst. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> hey, now. You're going to get a sketch off. Yeah, that's know. an... In- that's an entirely different conversation. There's some people. There's some people that only like Damien, and um, I, I talked to somebody at a show like last weekend that thought every other Robin before Damien was trash, and I'm like what? Um, wow. But anyway, uh, the other flip side is Dustin Nguyen uh, is uh, the artist on this, and I love me some Dustin. Um, he did one of the. Uh, books he did the third arc of books about hush um nice there there's you know an arc that came right after his or right before his after that but uh he did the heart of hush series and his art was fantastic um he's famous for uh batman little gotham and things like that and he's he's just a fantastic artist so this was another one of those really great team up ones but it it 
where Kevin's story uh, touched my soul, this one made me warm, fuzzy, and giggle. So, right. No, absolutely. And so, go ahead. to be really fair to our to our loyal listeners here, we we've talked kind of about some of the things that we absolutely thoroughly enjoyed from this mega cross section of Batman super perfect creative teams and everything. So I got to ask, did, did you see a story that didn't quite hit that? Sure. We got 10 stories. Maybe they'll all be perfect. Maybe one wasn't quite for you. Uh, the one that definitely wasn't quite for me, sadly was, um, uh, it was Denny O'Neill's story. Um, and Denny O'Neill, if you're not familiar, you should be, but Denny O'Neill is one of the legendary Batman writers. Yep. Um, Danny did a lot of stuff, not just Batman, like tons of stuff in Green Lantern and other stuff. Question. It, yeah, Den- Denny is DC in terms of old school. Absolutely. Which, uh, in some forums, he's been compared to the DC Stan Lee. Um, he just without the flamboyant, you know, persona that people recognize. Um, he's like the yeah for folks that Stan Lee. Yeah. Folks that don't know Denny, uh, he kind of is the opposite in terms of that at times, but an amazing yeah. writer. Um, he he is credited with being the one to take Batman from Adam West camp to Dark Knight. Um, he's the reason why we have dark, gritty, detective Batman. That's mm. he, he is that guy. Um, and his story focused on... Leslie Tompkins, you know, Dr. Leslie Tompkins of yep. the basically the female Alfred de Bruce uh, yelling at Bruce for beating up criminals in the alley on Crime Alley. And uh, it felt like it fell flat as a story, but also it felt like weird that that story was coming from Denny. Um, you know, I get that you have to write people to be your counter, but she's basically trying to convince Batman to stop beating up these people for his own sake not for theirs and um i don't know it just i i didn't i didn't click well with it um didn't i don't know i just didn't love it i thought i'm not gonna say i was disappointed but uh then also you know while i'm pooping in people's cornflakes uh i was disappointed with neil adams art Um, oh i i was gonna save you i was gonna save you from that because i i agree the that Denny's story, it, it just landed differently for me, so it didn't stand out. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do you the favor. And the one I kind of almost, if I had to say I dislike more, was the the Christopher Priest, Neil Adams. And I, it's not that I don't think Priest wrote a good story. It's just that Neil's work lately has been distracting to me. I think we were talking about it before we uh, started doing the podcast here today that uh, his Dead Man series where he did the art and the writing that it just to me, like I, I love Neil Adams. I have a Neil Adams original um, Oliver Queen Green Arrow hanging in my home. Um, it just feels like when he's doing serial work lately, it just seems a little looser than some of his older stuff. And it's a little distracting to me. And I don't know if that's kind of the same thing you take away when you see some of his work right now. But that's kind of where I ended up. And I'm prepared to take the internet flogging on that one because I I do. I don't think it's going to be a flogging. I just think it's one of those (laughs) taboos things where you don't criticize a veteran of the industry. But right. And that's why at the same time I say that that Neil has done so much for comics. So don't 
don't hear this as a we just dislike Neil Adams. It's just that this particular time, it just didn't hit for us. Well, then, like, to Kelly Jones's art style for Jeff Johns' story, mm-hmm. um, Kelly Jones, it's not like he's a bad artist, but he's super stylistic. Um, like, he did the that story recently with Batman and Scarecrow that I read, and um, King of Fear. And, you know, it was hard to read the story because of the over-stylization of it. And sure. I, I'm at the place where, like, I feel like I would have enjoyed jeff's last crime in gotham story a lot more with a more subdued artist that's probably fair not that it was bad um it's definitely you know he's a skilled artist but it's real styled um and then also you know i don't want to bounce out of this without saying tom king's story at the end was great there's my last tom king praise that i'm contractually obligated to do um the 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 fact that you get literally the entire bat family in one place that I've never seen this whole squad of bat family assembled before is perfect. Yep. Nope. As usual, you got to give Tom the high praise and way to close out such an epic tome of 80 years of Batman. And just, just wow, man, no matter how any of us look at it, it seems pretty darn clear to me that Bruce Wayne just, just ages. Well, I mean, 80 years, man, but guys, Gals, definitely go check this out. There's tons of Batman goodness from page one to page 96 with some of the best creative teams known to comics then, now, and up and coming. So if you're a fan of Batman, this is a book that you got to pick up and let us know what you think. But to close this out for today, comic book fans of all ages, it's time to take a look at what was in the pull box of Hector and I and see what awesome things ended up going home with us over the past two weeks. So, Hector, uh, what what did you pull for the last few weeks? Uh, my big pull, uh, you know, just hitting the the big ones, was uh, My Hero Academia Volume 18, um, which was honestly just a really great conclusion to an arc that's been going on in My Hero Academia. It's the, <clears throat> the arc that we last saw on the cartoons had started, and, you know, they had the Game of oh. Thrones it, um, like where they just they had started an arc that they were nowhere near ready to finish and um but it was it was really good and it's it's everything that makes my hero academia a compelling story about what heroism is um where you get to see deku be deku like going plus ultra you get to see the top three of the class doing their thing and um so i know you're not at this point where you've read this but uh there's uh, one of the stories that was just so good in it was the B story. After they finished the main, um, uh, one of the main things that they did was uh, Todoroki and Bakugo have failed their exams to progress as heroes because of mm. their poor character. Um, right. Uh, that you know that was in the cartoons and everything with that. Um, well, the, part of their remediation training is. Uh, they put them in a full battle zone with an entire elementary school and they have to win the kids over. <laughs> so that they, that's they put, great. They put all of the failure students with a group of elementary school kids and their job is to win their hearts. And Aww. just the premise of that was fantastic, but you get to see, you know, all of the angry Bakugo and everything else and you know it's it's great and 
seeing how they thrived through that was really just a dope story. Um, so I, that was a big pull for me. I enjoyed it. Um, also, I'm going to always pick up these books because I'm impatient and I can't wait for the anime. But uh, <laughs> definitely My Hero Academia Volume 18 was definitely worth picking up. And then my other big one. What was my other big one? Hold on. My other big one for the week was uh, Domino Hot Shots 2. It's your uh, other piece that you're congrat- contract contractually obligated to mention Gail Simone and her awesomeness at least once every episode. Well, honestly, I wasn't feeling uh, the last few things. Like, you know, I'd, I'd mentioned that. I wasn't, I wasn't sure because, you know, they're doing this whole thing and they express it in the book, which made me happy. What I loved was, you know, the little three-piece outfit that was, you know, Diamondback and Inez and you know domino and now they've got a whole t- like superhero team that consists of a wakandan princess a south korean special agent black widow and the t- the regulars and so you know nobody in the room trusts anybody well the this issue deadpool is sent to stop all of them and <laughs> and so deadpool shows up at the end of the previous issue and uh calls them out and so <laughs> domino ha- has been friends and more with deadpool uh Inez, who is you know the cowgirl of the group has been friends and more with deadpool they all have backstory and history so when deadpool shows up to throw down with them they're trying to lovingly talk it out black widow and everyone else bypasses that and you get this awesome slugfest battle of epic proportions with Deadpool and Black Widow and a Wakandan princess and all of these things. And, you know, where you get moments where Deadpool is saying, you want to go manga? Let's go manga. I meant, like, doing all these things. And when he stops making jokes and Domino is genuinely scared because when Deadpool isn't making a joke, you should be worried. Um, And it ends with, like, a... Deadpool and Domino like hugging it out and crying and talking about feelings in a not funny way. Um, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Like I'm literally like turning the pages like, oh, okay. And uh, like, and I gotta say, uh, it's the best Deadpool book I've read in forever. Um, I'm not a regular subscriber to Deadpool uh, just because of the saturation as of late. But mm. I gotta say, Simone handled it like a champ. And if she were to take over Deadpool, I would pick it up. Um, but there it is. Yeah, uh, I I would. I don't know if I could see myself. Pick, you know, it all depends on the writers, anyway. But I would trust. This is the same woman who wrote Plastic Man the same time she was writing Deadpool, and she also wrote The Secret Six. I mean, like I I got. I'll take what she does. Um, but man, I gotta say, those two books. And like on a side note. Glow, uh, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, number one, based on the Netflix series. Had a blast. Mm. If you like that series, which I'm a fan <laughs> of that series, you'll have a blast. So those those are my big picks for the week. Well, that's good to know. So let's see. Uh, sorting through my box for the week, I, I'm sure you also got Heroes in Crisis number seven, but I, I think probably why you didn't say anything is what I'm about to say, which is, This is another example of Tom King occupied a lot of space with a lot of information that ultimately may or may not have gotten us anywhere. 
So the story is progressing, uh, folks who are paying attention to Heroes in Crisis. I, I just, I, I'm ready to see where this is going and for it to wrap up. So we we got the team together on the final push. We're very close to finally figuring out the details and what's truly going on here. But it was a lot of a lot more setup and seeing kind of how that whole thing plays out. So I, I'm just ready. I think I think I'm a little exhausted by this event at this point. Of I I know that there's a punch coming. I just we just don't know where it is yet. And I'm spending a good amount of time debating with people. I'm not a debater. I don't argue with many people, but like I've got some cosplayer friends um, that I actually do respect their opinions and they're talking about how this book wasn't what they wanted i'm like well if it's what you wanted you wouldn't have needed to have a story told so right no that's I'm like, fair i'm like let them tell you a story and judge at the end but i'm, I'm with you uh it, it's it's we need to get there <laughs> yeah like no uh it, it's time it's time for us to get punched in the face or in the gut or however this one's going to go down and find out who, who killed who why um there's also some issues now about who may or may not be dead it's comics people none of this should be surprising you so it's a thing it's going to keep being a thing uh i also am still absolutely loving the flash flash 67 uh was in the last two weeks and i'm just gonna say because this book the book before it and this book is setting up a trickster arc and trickster has always been fascinating to me as you know the it some people might call him like the Flash's Joker, but that's not right. The trickster is like straight up just wacky as opposed to menacing. But Williamson, he's he's writing kind of a a heavy handed trickster. So I'm curious where this arc is going to go. But the one thing that stood out to me, I don't know if, if it was fan service to New 52 or what it was, but I caught it while I was reading, is they talk about the Black Hand and the Church of the Black Hand sporting the Black Lantern Corps logo. And I'm like, I, I don't know if that's just a quick nod or if something is coming because I'm, I know that they talked a little bit about it in the early Green Lantern books and the other stuff in Rebirth. So at least the Black Lantern Corps and Black Hand is present in this reality. But I'm fascinated why there seemed to be enough ink dedicated to saying, yep, this is a thing. Here it is. You can see it right here. Um, so it's very interesting to me. So I'm excited by that. So The Flash, still great. Still should be reading it. Isola number seven also came out from Image Comics, and still, if you're looking for that absolutely gorgeous book that's just beautiful to look at, I've said it before, I'll keep saying it, you should be reading Isola for that reason, and it's a great fantasy story as well, and I'm glad to see it still going and still look as beautiful as it does, and it continue to be on time, so it's one of those amazing things when really complicated art and story come together that it just is, and on that note, uh, Die Number 5 also came out this week, and the story's starting to lose me a little because they're still not quite getting there, but it's another book that's just gorgeous. So if you love the Dungeons & Dragons and that kind of thing, Die still should remain at the top of your interest because the story is still unfolding and it's still quite beautiful to look at. And finally, I don't know, Hector, if you picked it up just to check it out, but I absolutely did pick up Dial H for hero number one just to see where it went and i did not it's pretty fascinating it's it's another book in that wonder series and everything so 
it's all kind of wrapped up in the new continuity of the stuff that Bendis is doing, but it was fun. It's kind of the same conclusion I came to with Wonder Twins of, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's a thing. So I'm excited to see how that goes and all that wonderfulness. So those were my pulls. Uh, They were pretty interesting. But so lots of great comics over the last few weeks. But we want to hear about what you, the loyal Polish podcast listener, has in your poll. This episode, Jonathan Reedy informs us that we just might be missing out on a great redemptive story in the current Superior Spider-Man run. So number four just came out last week. Hold, hold on, on, hold on. March twenty seventh. Superior Spider-Man is still happening. It's it's the it's a new thing. It's not the old thing. It's they started a few months ago on kind of telling a new but slightly different story. So um, is Octavius still in Spider-Man? Correct. So that's the redemptive story that John has told us that we, we might be missing. The cool thing here is that Doc Ock is involved in this whole thing, but he's kind of doing the maybe I took the wrong path type thing is my understanding. So do you, do you like the Spider-Man? Do you like villains that have some heart? Maybe, maybe some of those things. Well, John in the community tells us that this is probably what you need to be reading. So pick it up and let us know what you think. And John, thanks for sharing with us on the community throughout this whole thing, because that that's the type of stuff we're missing. Like Hector just said, he went, wait, what? Nope, it's a thing. We're in issue number four already. So thanks for bringing that to our attention. And hopefully other listeners will find that interesting as well. So we love to hear about the stuff you're pulling and reading. So don't forget to hit us up every new comic book day that is Wednesday in the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community to tell us what you're reading and why. You tell us, you'll get featured just like John did on this show today. It's literally that easy. So that's it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 13 is in the books, and now it's been in your ears for about the last hour. But we couldn't possibly do this alone. As many of you know, we take this epic journey of podcasts and fandom with two other amazing podcasts that are part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Humans of Gaming with Drew and Chris does interviews with game designers, producers, and creators. It gets to the heart of why they do what they do. And then we have the Free Play Podcast with Matt, Bubba, Kate. So good. Covers just about everything nerdy that you can possibly think of. It's super fun. No joke. It's it's pretty great. And it's humorous. And it, it's just everything you can possibly handle all at once. And finally, if you like things that are of the streaming variety and of the video variety, you can check out The Beard Bros on the Love Thy Nerd Facebook. They are doing games. They're getting to the point where they're actually playing. So that's Bubba and Matt, and they'll actually play a game, talk through it, and you get to watch them do that cool nerdy thing. So we got lots going on over at the Love Thy Nerd and Love Thy Nerd community. So just check it out. But mostly, Hector and I just want to thank all of you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near-weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and many more. You can't find us? Let us know at the pull list podcast at lovethynerd.com. That's an email address. Or look for us at the pull list podcast com, and you'll find all of our past shows and all the good stuff there this is what we do hector and i love comics thanks for listening and remember kids read more comics
You've been listening to The Polis Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira, part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Be sure to rate and review the show and share on all the social media. The master of epic duel. I can feel your